0: Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 22 for Monday, January 14th, 2019. My name, as you may have read in my icy grave, is Joel Duggan. <laughs> and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, but you may know him
1: better as the Survival Guide Guy, or Pixel Riffs. That's what's going to be written on, it's going to be written on my grave. <laughs> the, the Survival <laughs> Guide Guy. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah. I've been
0: I've been really enjoying the series, man. I I took some time to catch up. Or Thank the last little while, and yeah, no, it's 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 going good, and it's it's funny because like, I I'm curious because I I feel like you probably get a lot of corrections in your comments, and I was yeah, right yeah. when I went to look, but I want to say I have to say that, you know, we all say that you know you you get the community that you ask for right like Mm -hmm. so the kind of content that you put out is the kind of community that you generate yeah and all the people that are technically correcting you in the comments and certain things are doing so very very politely
1: (laughs) yes it can it it tends to get a little (laughs) bit condescending at times but you're right i think a lot of people are very much in the idea that like they have something to teach as well you know and and if they're correcting me then it's they're, they're doing it with the same tone that i'm engaging with the viewers with that's at least my, my goal with the series is very much to kind of create that atmosphere of learning rather than atmosphere of like correcting you because you're doing it wrong yeah so, exactly it's it's the
0: it's the teaching mentality as opposed to the uh the the nerd push up the glasses
1: mentality of yes like, well, the, the well actually, actually yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely yeah so i'm, I'm yeah. glad that i'm glad that we're getting comments like that yeah and and it's yeah. been great to see people correcting me on some of the stuff that i don't have enough knowledge about because i haven't kind of i've only recently started doing more technical projects and stuff like villager breeding and things i still don't quite know the mechanics Mm. of 100% or like I I will have my own idea of what those mechanics are which doesn't necessarily have its roots in the code and the facts behind the game I just kind of go well it sort of does this because it's more of almost like a spiritual way of looking at it like this is the right. way things are meant to be but it's not necessarily the way things are like I I've <laughs> I've labored under the misapprehension that villages need access to the sky in order for something to be registered as a house and uh, the main kind of correction I got from that was from Frilioth, who was saying that my villager breeder doesn't need sky access at all the doors just need more blocks on one side within a certain radius than they do on the other side which to be fair to him is a very difficult thing to explain in text uh and and is an even weirder thing to explain like i'm reading through the minecraft wiki occasionally just kind of revising some of the stuff that i know so i can explain it better and that didn't come across very well to me when i was reading about villagers in the wiki so having somebody teach you visually is actually really important. And so that's kind of the service I'm trying to provide. But yeah, I yeah. may, I may occasionally get things wrong just because I don't know any better.
0: Yeah. And I find too, that some of the rules that I thought were, were in, in, uh, in stone, a boat villager, the kind of hard and, and fast rules with like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought, okay, well, uh, there's a certain radius and I don't have to build things within a certain radius and I should be fine. And I did that and it still didn't work. And I thought, yeah. well, maybe i go back to the original distance or just make it farther away and for whatever reason in my world i had to put farms farther from my villager breeder than i thought the wiki said was necessary and i don't know i don't know why that particular village had a wider radius or was drawing villagers or whatever but again like the wiki you don't know i mean you can't there's no as far as i can tell there's no real like last updated with 1.13.2 you know like they don't the wiki is not updated that often yeah um you kind of have to rely on technical minecrafters making videos and saying okay so here is something that's actually changed since you know the latest update and even if that's like a 0.1 or a 0.2 update sometimes all it takes is like a little ui change or a little you know a distance number in the code to change like oh it's no longer you know 32 now it's 45 for yes. like and <laughs> and no one knows because it, unless you really dig into that kind of stuff and i i find that kind of stuff can be can be kind of challenging and and a lot of times too with the technical stuff in minecraft you just kind of like you poke at it until it works and if it doesn't work then you just kind of left to your own devices of like well it's now science time you know <laughs> yes how far do i have to be before this acts you know the way that i want it to act um, but I was actually, I was really interested in, in watching you build your first iron farm, having built one myself before and having downsized it to meet, you know, the, the small server. You, even just on your own, have built like a
1: full size iron farm. So what was it like doing that for the first time? It was kind of intimidating because, yeah, like the the problem I found with iron farms, this is kind of tying to what you were just saying, the, the, level of success with an iron farm always feels very small when it comes to these kind of single cell single village iron farms because we're all used to the kind of the tango tech design that kind of churns out iron for an entire server but then when you're building an individual one and i was building this with a a peripheral knowledge of it but not following anybody's tutorial in particular because i when i build stuff like this i want to understand for myself why it's working why it's not working Mm -hmm. but like villagers only generate a golem like once every six minutes or something like that and so you have to do a lot of waiting around to determine whether or not something is or isn't working and there are two spawning platforms in this iron farm so it kind of maximizes the potential area for a golem to spawn but even with that you're still waiting around for a little while and i'm going you know i've left this on for you know 30 minutes and i've not seen one yet but is that just an anomaly is that just like it flipping a coin 10 times and coming up with 10 tails or right. is it genuinely like there's something wrong with the iron farm and it doesn't work so it took a lot of back and forth with that and a lot of waiting around which is why i got kind of behind schedule last week i still managed to get an episode out every day but that iron farm episode was down to the wire as far as releasing it goes and then yeah the the other thing I've been doing, aside from that, is villager breeding, which, yeah, I, I knew some of the stuff about, but it's yeah, it's interesting to kind of get a little bit of perspective on how to move stuff around and, like, and, and how that's changed. People in my comments were saying that I should have used a water stream to get the villagers up to the iron farm in the first place instead of using minecarts, and I just kind of thought, well, minecarts are just the way you transport villagers around, and water streams i'd covered them a couple of episodes prior so i obviously know they exist and i use them in mob Mm -hmm. farms and stuff all the time but for whatever reason it didn't occur to me to just oh vertically transport them like really quickly using a water stream it just didn't and you can can still be
0: in a minecart too
1: Yes, exactly. And as, as it was, it worked out because I could just send a minecart down from the top. It would do the entire circuit, bounce off the villager breeder, collect a villager, and then come all the way back up without me having to go back down there and then push them into oh, the water nice. stream from there. So yeah. it kind of worked out in my favor anyway. I could see it working yeah. both ways. But yeah, 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 still still kind of interesting that people have moved on from certain uses of things and whatever is the the most efficient way of doing things is just given as the default now i kind of i I rail against that attitude when i can because i like to do stuff in different ways and making the most efficient (laughs) farm isn't necessarily the thing that is interesting to me if i can make it look better if i can make it kind of a fun way of doing things instead of just your standard look up a tutorial and uh, follow like the most recent design for an iron farm or a gold farm or something then i will probably do the other thing yeah
0: so and that and that's where i, I mean i i just i tried that line too when i build farms i want them to look good and i want them to try and come into the landscape and fill fit fit the aesthetic that we have going on mm-hmm. in in that particular area um i find it funny that you're railing against <laughs> 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 with your minecart cart bills like yes. yeah, okay yes. i saw what you did there um something that's that's worth noting too is that like because you're doing this in the survival guide depending on where people are and how much uh we'll say resources they have um doing a, a water elevator really high that uses a lot of kelp that uses you still have to do an encasing structure and it, it may be less block intensive if you have the minecart tracks already to just do a minecart track right like if you've yeah. got gold and you've got tracks then it might actually be easier and faster to use a minecart not a a bubble elevator yeah uh, uh, vice versa if you don't have a lot of iron and gold but you're right on the ocean and you've got more
1: kelp than you know what to do with well then hey then you know obviously do the bubble elevator yeah you've got you got um, access to water from very early in the game and then yeah, kelp is exactly. just one step aside from that and i, I had to yeah. go quite a distance to actually meet an ocean in my world because i'm pretty landlocked as far as these things right. go so yeah it, yeah it took me a while to even introduce bubble columns into the series and
0: so I'm curious with with your with your aim at aesthetics and wanting to make things look good, what was the choice to
1: put the iron farm floating up in the air? Uh, it was mainly because I didn't want to take the villager breeder down and in order to separate it from the villager breeder, it did have to be super high up and I think I can do something good with it ultimately like I, i'm I'm like you I don't like having something floating in the sky mm-hmm. yeah. in an abnormal way. I think I can turn it into like either a hot air balloon or a floating island of its own or something like that. Somebody even in my comments suggested like turn that into like a fantasy style floating island and I went, mm. yeah, I could do that. It 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 kind of depends on what I do with the killing mechanism for the iron golems after that because currently that's on the ground on top of my mountain so that the golems just fall into it and they get away right. from that spawnable space quickly. Right. And yeah, I I don't know if I plan to change that or if I'll just like open up the bottom of this island and have them free fall into a pit of lava. I have a, a, a few ideas for how to get around that.
0: Right. But yeah, right, I,
1: right, right. I I think in other circumstances, if I was if I had a. A space reserved for it at spawn which is where i want it to be built anyway because apparently in single player worlds the spawn chunks work exactly the same as they do on multiplayer servers which is something again i had to look up because i wasn't certain because with it being a server that's hosted 24 7 building something in the spawn chunks makes a lot more sense than it does on a single player world that you're only running when you log into it right um yeah, but but I wanted to build it at spawn, but then I've just covered the entirety of spawn in a wheat field, basically. So there wasn't really anywhere I could build it that it could be discreet or far enough away from all of the doors I've already placed down that it wouldn't be affected by that if it was at so, ground level.
0: But you're talking about just like the spawn area, not the spawn chunks, right?
1: Yeah, but the spawn chunks are actually, relatively speaking, quite small. I mean, it's... Aren't it's a, like it's... It's, it's like
0: a, eight by eight, right? Or eight, sixteen by sixteen. It's, it's
1: sixteen by sixteen, so eight eight chunks in each direction. But that's right. really not terribly far. And if it has to be sixty-four blocks away from any doors, then that's already like heading towards the opposite side of the chunks. And I have I have plans for where I want to build stuff. So right. yeah, I don't know. It, it's it, yeah, it was I, a choice I that think, I th- I thought it was a compromise, but it's something I can make something good out of in the end yeah, of the day. Yeah,
0: I think because I've mapped out the spawn chunks on the citadel. Uh, And, uh, and now everybody knows where we got the name for the show. Um, (laughs) but the, uh, I think the, the caveat for us is that we didn't build in the spawn chunks. Yes. Like spawn and the spawn chunks are mostly empty. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then all of our stuff, like the main meadows area just happens to be like Southwest of spawn chunks. So, anything that we build in the spawn chunks like the iron farm that we built in the spawn chunks it's like 10 blocks above the ground and i mean it's it's held up by stilts it's meant it's meant to to look like that it's meant to look a certain way but we didn't have to build it way up in the air because there isn't anything nearby yes but but you're right like i mean the, the, the 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 spawn chunks would i mean there would be room but if we had if we had plunked our build like right in the middle of the spawn chunks then yeah you really you would run out of room
1: Fast. Yeah. The, the the thing is the way I've taught this series, the way I've been kind of approaching the mentality of it is that I've got to teach new players how to do stuff. And when it comes to new players, building your house next to spawn is the most logical thing for you to do as a new player, right. because right. if you die and your bed is broken, you still turn up in front of your house. Whereas, right. you know, people who've been playing Minecraft for a while know that it's probably a sensible thing to move a thousand blocks away and reserve the spawn chunks for farms that you want on constantly but right. that's not necessarily something that would be intuitive to a new player and if I come out of the gate on episode one explaining right the first thing I'm going to do is travel a thousand blocks away that's not an intimidating <laughs> task in the slightest for somebody who doesn't know how to defend themselves yet so yeah, I the yeah, first yeah. thing I did was cover like building a house and and like I'm I'm so happy with that area now that I don't really want to change it all that much from oh, yeah, the yeah. the farm that it is right now so no it yeah. looks
0: cool I, I like I like so one of the reasons why I've never upgraded my log cabin on the Citadel. It's the first thing I built, and yes. it's 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 still functional. It's still great. It's still where my bed is. Like it just it works just fine. You know, there's there's certain things in the game that you don't really need to change for for you know for the basic, uh, basic gameplay stuff. That's really cool. It's something uh, I might uh, consider
1: doing for like an advanced Minecraft survival guide series in future, where it's like now we know how to play the game. Here's how we would play the game over again, and this time make more intelligent decisions based on what we already know. Yeah
0: yeah and that's the kind of thing where you could do you know you could move you know a thousand blocks away from from your original starting zone and and say like okay well if this was new world or like if we were starting from here this is another this is another approach yeah without having to lose all of our infrastructure it's really Mm -hmm. really a cool idea um as i as i said i think everybody should check out the series because i i'm really i'm really enjoying it especially because it's it's not you just finding a tutorial and then doing it right like it's 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 you looking up the information and and doing it yourself which is is i think a good like it's a good pattern for people to follow especially new players because you will learn so much more rather than just watching a 15 minute video uh and doing it because somebody else said to do it yeah like if, if you do it under your own understanding of the mechanics and things break then you're like okay well, why did that break? And then yes. once you figure that out, chances are you're going to remember that longer than if you had just realized, oh, I missed the tip that this person gave it, you know, five minutes and 10 seconds into this video. That's why I screwed up. It's not because I didn't understand the game mechanic. It's because I missed something that they said in the video.
1: Yes, and I, 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 I I I've, learned, I've learned so much just about Redstone that way. I think oh, it's yeah. it's something that I would definitely do again if I if I, you know, was redoing this over again is is take redstone kind of as a step by step thing of learning it all myself and understanding that certain things are possible with it and maybe kind of seeing offhand like people have set up, you know, auto sorted storage before, and then going through the process of learning why certain things work the way they do and how things like overflow protection works and why you have to have all that filler material in your hoppers to make sure that Things don't overflow yeah. and drain the circuits next to them which i had to explain a couple of times to the survival guide audience because some people just didn't get it and yeah it's 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 fun that stuff and i'm starting to gain a much better understanding of the game because of it oh yeah
0: for sure and there's something to be said too for a certain level of automation like i still have a manual storage for most of the special blocks but having you know bulk storage automated is just like it's just it's one less thing that you have to do and it frees you up to do more artistic and fun things in the game and um, i i i definitely identify as a builder but i i tread that line between being you know a technical person and a builder just because the technical stuff that i implement just makes my life easier it's all about quality of of life and quality of time. Like, I don't want to spend time sorting out cobble and stone. Let's just do that automatically. Yes. <laughs> let's, let's that make that as easy as possible. Um, so people might be wondering why, you know, I'm not talking a lot about what I've been doing in Minecraft is that because I haven't been doing a lot in Minecraft. The day that I had to do stuff, I lost power. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So uh, that put me behind on work, which means I had to spend, you know, normally my Sunday stream day catching up on actual work work. So um, what little t- I've done in the Citadel over the week, uh, you can watch on my YouTube channel and it's road building, uh, or road planning. I don't want to say building cause it's just, it's another path, but I'm not, it's not staying path block. Um, uh, but, um, we're, we're extending the meadows South. We're going to do some farms and some stuff. And because of the kind of like, I guess the, the mentality of kind of working myself back into the Citadel and, and Vastin slowly, I've just been doing landscaping. Like I've just been looking at like, okay, well, there's the river, but that's a Minecraft river and that looks kind of janky. So let's smooth that out. Let's practice some some curves and some aesthetics and try to accept what Minecraft has given us, but maybe spit polish it a little bit and, mm-hmm. and make it look nicer. And And even in this road that I started on stream, uh, last weekend and I've pushed it farther south on my own I couldn't sleep one night so I just got up and and I did a little bit farther and I like the second half of the road much better to the point where I may go back to the first half and make it a little bit twistier like mm-hmm. maybe I thought I was doing some curves but really I was just kind of like nudging it left and right whereas farther down the line the landscape starts to go a little bit craggy and there's actually a little bit of a of a divot and something I did allude to I think when we were flying around on on the stream and looking south was that it, naturally you can see where minecraft almost pulled the land down far enough where it would have been sea level but it didn't quite get there Mm -hmm. and so what i'm going to do is i'm going to push it i'm going to i'm going to create a a river and and put some water in this natural kind of like craggy cave outcrop and then have it drain down into what looks like a bay or a larger body of water Uh, and it's going to add a lot because then now my path goes right up along the edge of a river doing some overhangs and stuff like that really like simple stuff. But um, it's, it's been a lot of fun to kind of like just accept what the land has given me, but then look at some really messed up things that obviously are just, they look like video game, but they don't look like landscaping. It's like, okay, let's, Mm -hmm. let's just get rid of that. But I like the way that this turns at a sharp corner here, or I like the, the fact that this giant craggy, you know, hole in the ground is here. So let's do that. And what would happen if we filled that with water and, and work on things like that. So it's been fun. Uh and uh and beyond that, I just a lot of the Vastin stuff I've been doing was a lot of walking around and talking. And uh it's just because so much of Vastin has sprung up over the Christmas holiday with uh most of the people that, that play there that have day jobs had time off. And so we're able to, you know, hang out with family and do some extra time on Vastin. And some of the builds, man, nothing there is small and nothing there is straight. Mm-hmm. Like it is eye-opening and it's i'm i'm partly doing landscaping because it's just like i don't know if i have the minecraft chops to do these angled walls and buildings yet yeah like, yeah it's really it's really tricky people might notice that i'm trying some more challenging stuff on the citadel on my own and that's kind of to warm up my brain to like if i want to try and do like an angled gate or or something because i'm watching what um what germsy boy and fix it and I want to say it's Grumpy Owl. And I mean, there's other people that, that I'm forgetting as well. Cause I, and I actually don't know who's done what. So I don't want to you know give credit to somebody that's it's where it's somebody else's build. But like it is phenomenal. And before we move on, one of the coolest things that they added to the game is player-activated uh, ambient sound.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So German Fix-It figured out a way with command block when you walk through this new courtyard in the town that as you approach it the ambient noise of like a busy pub gets louder nice yeah and then as you leave the square it fades out cool and do it it yeah it is immersive it's very very slick i don't know how they did it he explained it briefly but it, like it's it's very very cool and of course you can import whatever custom sounds you want so one of the guys, Klautos, is building a crypt. So can you now imagine like just having like <laughs> air moving just and like, like spooky noises and yeah. like, you know, something that's not a zombie or a spider, like having something growl or like, or or when you're approaching the dragon cave, like having like something sound like it's moving or like that kind of stuff just takes Minecraft to a level that. You can't get with just the blocks. Like you can put as many different textures and as many different shaders as you want, but really having some cool sounds in the game um, for ambience—it's always something I've wanted to try and do. But the packs that I've found have never
1: been great. They've always gone too far. Yeah, I, I, te- uh, and- I tell you, one one way you can do a slightly spooky ambient sound in vanilla Minecraft with no additional command block trickery or new sound effects in a resource pack or anything whatsoever. Uh, this is actually a tip that my buddy Tree Root plays, who I don't think really does Minecraft stuff anymore. I think he quit to become like a semi-professional Rocket League player or something. But uh, he he did it. He did a, a Mega Tiger build ages ago. They used to love building a Mega Tigers on his server, and he did a kind of haunted house, and he put a guardian in the attic, and not an elder guardian, but a regular guardian, and that kind of like eerie underwater like roar sound that they make when they're just chilling is perfect for a haunted house so much so that i ended up using that as a trick in my one chunk haunted house and i think i might even have put an elder guardian in there because they make a similar lower noise but also because of the jump scare of the elder guardian face coming down and give you mining fatigue right yeah like that that's that's actually a way that you can make those kind of spooky like i don't know where that's coming from ethereal kind of noises as long as you keep the guardian away from anywhere that it's going to see you and start to attack you but yeah. yeah, that's. I, I imagine it's going to be even better with like custom sound effects and so forth. But if you want to do that in vanilla, folks at home, then uh, yeah, give that a try. If if you can be bothered to get the you know the minecart set up and everything to move a guardian from the temple to uh, to wherever you want this build to be, but they don't suffocate yeah. outside of water which is something else I learned on Survival Guide. I I don't know how I forgot this, but I expected them to be like squids and start like suffocating as soon as they were outside of the water. They just flap around a whole bunch so you can move them in a minecart as far as you please.
0: Yeah, I did know that from watching Tango and Impulse because they move... I think it was their derp service or whatever it was in season yes. four I can't remember what it was but yeah, yeah moving moving uh mobs around and I think you have to rename them just to make sure they don't despawn but yes. once they're in a minecart they're they're pretty solid they do some crazy stuff
1: um, yeah but, Impulse, uh, speaking... Impulse is like laser light show he did on the last no, season of Permacraft yes. as well like I, sh- I should have thought of that instantly because like yeah that yeah. didn't have any water in it but the guardians were just zipping around in minecarts the whole time so firing sad at sad squid that
0: the, the chunk load problem messes with minecarts we yeah. we had that problem on our server as well we had some really great melon and pumpkin farms that were built by um we had a father's day event and the the kids from some of the dads that are on the server came on and played and and sharky and his boys they built this mine this melon server because they wanted to do something for the server that we needed and it was brilliant it was their own design and it worked great except for it was on the edge of like chunk loading for the main meadows so the mine kept on breaking and causing uh-huh. a bunch of lag so we had to shut yeah. it down but like i wish they would fix that because it would just it would make. So much more sense, um, you know, for for minecarts to be just like I'm okay with the minecart not moving if it's outside of loaded chunks, but it's like okay, it's now outside of loaded chunks. Finish its track, like yeah. get it back to a, a certain point where it will then safely stop. Mm-hmm. and and then be able to then start up again uh that it's it's unfortunate that because i mean the the laser light show in season five of hermitcraft yeah. was just that was just spectacular super super cool um but we should probably move on to the news because we do have a fair amount to cover we have received the first snapshot of 2019 and that is snapshot 19 W 2 a excuse me uh and uh we actually we're going to talk about fire in general a little bit later so we'll save some of our opinions about the campfire for later but the campfire is now in the snapshot uh wasn't exactly the most aesthetic block to start off with but Jappa quickly shared a uh, updated version of the texture a couple days later which i think looks a lot better mm-hmm. uh, it is a decorative fireplace without fire spread cooks up to four types of food at once but slowly acts as a smoke signal when you've got a hay block placed underneath it and is a quote-unquote light source although the light source level is nine which means two blocks later mobs can spawn so it's more of an aesthetic light source than a real functioning one i was i was kind Uh, of
1: surprised by that actually i expected it to at least have the like the 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 light of you know a redstone block or something like that and i appreciate them adding stuff with different light levels into the game because a lot of the time mm -hmm. it's either like 15 or nothing but Mm -hmm. still having it be nine and and like a lot of people were speculating that it would you know be repel mobs in the first place which uh yeah not so much it turns out like if anything it encourages mobs to be around it by being not like so so bright after all right yeah
0: and the problem that i have with it is that that range is so so short that a creeper could then spawn and explode without you having any time to react yeah yeah right like and and destroy everything in the process like that to me is (laughs) like if if the spawning if the light source was at least you know 15 or 14 then you'd have five or six blocks before it would be in range to destroy you right like you would have to get it close and then so yeah yeah that's a little bit disappointing i I know what you
1: mean though it seems unrealistic to me that the, the torch is able to produce more light than a campfire you know yes. if anything a campfire should be like a collection of torches
0: yeah and I'm, and that could change i mean that that could sure. be that could be cuz i mean i'm okay. i i like the idea of a torch being 14 and then everything else is 15 yeah um but you would think a campfire and just a block on fire would have the same you know the same light yeah. light level right mm-hmm. uh we also have some cartography table functionality that was added to the game uh, which simplifies the sorry i can speak simplifies and reduces <laughs> materials needed for a map Uh, or sorry, uh, the functionality of maps. You can also lock maps. That's new. Uh, We have lectern functionality, uh, placed blocks, remember, uh, sorry, placed books. Wow, I'm having a hard time today. Uh, (laughs) Remember pages globally, which means that if you turn it to page four and I come up behind you and I open the book, it's also going to be on page four, which I think is really, really cool. Yeah. Um, It also emits a redstone pulse based on the book page and total page percentage. So, to put that in as close to layman's terms as i can it works very similar to how a chest or a hopper will emit a redstone signal when next to a comparator so if the max signal is 15 and the chest is full then you get 15 but proportionally as you reduce the contents of the chest then it'll slow that signal will start to go down likewise if you've got a 15 page book for each page that you're on it will give a redstone signal of one. Whereas if you've got a seven-page book, then the first page is going to give a redstone signal of two-ish uh, and go up from there. Uh, so it's interesting. You, you can really kind of do some some neat functionality with um, with uh, the comparator and and the, the redstone from a, uh, a lectern. However, do, do we need a comparator to read the
1: redstone functionality or does it start like right underneath it? I'm I am perceived- it just powers the block next to it. I'm pretty sure it's. I think it's a comparator, but I, I could be wrong about that. I haven't really looked that much into this week's right. snapshot, other than just reading the change log. Sadly, so yeah.
0: yeah, I watched a couple of videos, but it was last week, so I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit foggy on it. Uh, and the last thing that was worth mentioning, uh, which I find a little bit confusing, is the team message command uh, now allows players to create a team and then message only that team. So if you and I were together fighting against a couple of your DV buddies on a on a PvP system we could set up you know team spawn chunks and then just have to type slash team msg and then anything that i say after that tag will then only be seen by you and the other team can't see our, mm-hmm. our you know collaboration the problem that i have with that is that is that something that you toggle or is that something that you have to type slash team msg in front of everything that you say because that to me is a terrible solution
1: yeah i think it's it's uh an awkward way of having team chat and I don't know if it's something you need to toggle or not, but I have a feeling it probably isn't, in much the same way that you have to type slash MSG before you whisper to somebody on a, a regular server. And it's it's awkward, but I feel like that's the kind of thing that PV, <laughs> PvP players would probably end up like getting used to in the fullness of time. Um, and it's one of those things that you can probably just tab autocomplete with the, f- the first couple of characters anyway. So... I think uh, having said that as well, it's it's also possible to tab autocomplete more easily if you're not uh, like an op. So you don't have like the full library of commands available to you. When you type slash, you just have like slash help and like a couple of other things that you can type as like a regular right. player. So it may be that, yeah, being able to tab autocomplete that is a lot easier for somebody who's not an op on a server and doesn't have all of the admin commands available to them. Right. It might be no, a bit that, more okay, intuitive that, that way.
0: That, well, that makes a lot more sense too, because I mean, if if that's the only thing that you can type that serves with T, then, you know, I, I mean, there's teleport and then, which you might not be able to do. Yes. And then just T message. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I'm, I'm dialing back a little bit. This is, this is me not knowing this much under the hood. Cause I mean, I don't, I barely chat with people in game in Minecraft. I much prefer to just either Discord discord audio or, um, or, or any chatting that happens. It's not conversational. It's just very like, you know, very
1: simple. Simple, yeah, simple stuff. and it's it's very much a feature for competitive play as opposed to cooperative play, which is the kind of thing right. that we're both used to more anyway. So yeah, that's
0: yeah. that's true. That's true. It's true. Um,
1: so I I really don't have a lot
0: to say about the the snapshot. Uh, the, I like I like the changes that Japa made to the campfire. I the cartography table makes sense. Uh, I'm, go- I'm gonna certainly... rename
1: I'm gonna rename all of my cartography tables to Map Simplifier now. By the way, I think that's <laughs> that's a <laughs> yeah. a, gr- a great name for it yeah it does kind of it does kind of uh,
0: make it clearer what it does it also reduces the cost dramatically because previously to zoom a map out you had to surround that map with eight pieces of paper yes and now you just need one piece of paper
1: yeah it's much to, the same as the loom kind of reducing the amount of dye you need to put banners together that kind of thing yeah and um yeah I think the the, the fact that you can now lock a map is really great for me because i have lost track of the amount of times I thought, oh, it would be great to create some kind of big map art thing somewhere on a server. But then I think, well, no, somebody could just come along and write whatever they wanted all over it. Is It's the thing that, right. you know, if, if you put together a large kind of map thing that you want to use, say like, uh, again, drawing another example from Hermitcraft recently, uh, Grian and Doc M both created large map areas with like a void kind of space. Or in Grian's case, I think he did a, a field of snow and then right. wanted to have a completely white room, a kind of sensory deprivation room using item frames on all of the walls and ceilings. But then somebody comes along and writes something on that and it ruins the effect. With the cartography right. table locking that, no longer a problem. I think that's that's perfect. Yeah, you essentially you, it allows you to create a bunch of really
0: cool items in the game uh, you know, or textures in the game that you, you could use for various things. So like if you wanted to draw a giant, you know, frying pan and spatula hanging from the wall. You do that flat as pixel art somewhere in your world, and then you can essentially take a picture of it, quote unquote, you know, lock with the map, lock the map, and then you're good. Like and then remove got it
1: as well. Yeah. Like you can just get rid of it after that. And the map yeah, stays could. as it yeah. is. You yeah. I mean, it's
0: a lot of, it's a lot of work to get rid of, but yeah, you could, you could potentially, you could potentially totally, totally get rid of it. I'm, I, the only thing of course, is that the map is going to, like, you're going to have to, completely cover that map area because otherwise the background is going to be blue or green or like whatever the other texture is there's no transparency there um but uh, yeah i mean it's it's an interesting interesting idea i like i like that it simplifies things some of my complaints about minecraft are 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 hinged to the gui and how old it is and unclear it is especially for new players like for example going back to your survival guide do you find that explaining the cartography table now is easier to new players?
1: I think so. Yeah. I th- I think I think it might be and it certainly saves you kind of like puzzling through all of the stuff in the crafting table. I think knowing that a cartography table is available and then just being able to use that, it it encourages like player exploration into stuff like that a little bit more. It's it it makes that kind of crafting more intuitive than doing it in a crafting table is in my opinion. Right and yeah yeah anybody who has like a, a peripheral knowledge of how maps work will probably understand a cartography table a lot better
0: right um, but it also and i think it also like you said points people in that direction rather than just having you know like do you like i guess the book sort of says oh now you've got sugarcane and paper you can also make maps and people go all right well what's a map and how can i make it sure, whereas the yeah. cartography table when that comes up you're like wait a second yeah. I can do more than just make maps, I can do other things with maps, so that yeah. it becomes a much more interesting tech tree to explore.
1: Yeah, exactly, and and I, I haven't gotten into banner crafting in the Minecraft Survival Guide yet, and I am tempted to not do any of it until the loom mm-hmm. comes out, just because it's so much easier to demonstrate all of the patterns that you can make just by clicking through the loom interface than it is to craft them all in a crafting interface and say, okay, now memorize all 16 of these patterns, please. Ugh, <laughs> you yeah, know? I, it just makes yeah. a lot more sense that way.
0: I, I did a very simple pattern in a, in a banner for curtains in, in the inn and a bridge. And I, even just fi- figuring that out, I was like, nope, I'm just going to go to a website that allows me to, uh, like it was, a, it was a web tool that allowed me to undo and try yes. things and kind of like get to a, something where I liked it. And then all I had to do was just memorize the pattern and the order of it and then do it once in the game and then reproduce it. Like So having that ability, the ability to do that in game keeps people, Mojang, it keeps people in the game as opposed to then leaving, going and looking stuff up on the web and then coming back. Like it feels more inclusive. It, it you know feels like more something that you should be able to do in, in Minecraft. I think the thing that I'm most excited for in the snapshot, while I do like the campfire, um, I actually am very curious about the lectern. And how how the redstone is going to affect
1: um, different contraptions. I have a clarification about the lectern because I just looked it up on the wiki. I was curious. I was like, we have to sort this out now. Uh, Lecterns holding a book will emit a redstone pulse when a page is turned. So without the comparator, it will still activate redstone when you turn a page specifically. Uh, But that isn't a... I assume that is a a single redstone pulse in much the same way an observer would generate it. So it'd be a redstone pulse of 15 signal strength, but then that's it. Um, And it only does that once briefly. Whereas a redstone comparator will record the book reading and send a signal depending on what uh, what page the player is currently on. So that's right. the point okay. at which it gets into different signal strengths and so forth. And also right. I've seen some really great combination locks using that already. Mm-hmm. Like people have already kind of put three lectins there. You have to turn the book to this page, this page and this page, and then it opens a door for you. And that's, yeah. that's really great. Like for not only for adventure maps, even just for like, you know, builds of your own. If you want like a secret passageway somewhere, the equivalent of like Batman playing three notes on the piano and the, you know, bat poles emerge from, yeah. from the bookcase in the background. You can just do stuff like that. and yeah this is great secret passages in all the libraries please as of 1.14
0: I like the idea of reading through the story in some adventure map and then when you get to page you know 12 it just drops you through a trap door (laughs) or like (laughs) an anvil falls on you or something yeah yeah, just like and this is where the adventure begins turn the page to (laughs) what's going on yeah exactly Yeah, yeah that would be that'd be really really cool I I like the idea too because it is such a very quick interface to interact with so rather than having to try and target like an item on an item frame and turn it like eight times or turn it to the right position flipping a book to page nine if that's how you get into your base is like super quick like yeah. it, it really is is it really is something i find interesting especially because you can uh i've seen um the lectern and other builds be uh pushed into things so that it doesn't have to necessarily be a lectern sitting in the middle of nowhere you can just kind of hide it behind stuff yeah uh and just like click on it between um with the new the new hitbox of stairs and stuff like you could actually hide that in a little hole right and just kind of just know point at the black hole and, and click six times and that's how you get into your base like mm-hmm. there, there's some
1: really really fun stuff to, to play around with and i'm looking forward to it so a little not- bit of extra news because there's more stuff to share than just the snapshot this week um i i noticed this on the reddit earlier and it's going to link to uh the Minecraft creative lead, I think, for the Bedrock team, uh, John Hendricks' Twitter, uh, he posted a picture of the first look at shields on Bedrock Edition. So it seems like it's happening, and whether or not that's going to take into account uh, the Bedrock kind of control scheme and stuff like that then yeah it has yet to be seen because the touch interface is really the problem there for people who are using minecraft on tablets or mobile phones we're not we're still not certain exactly how shields are going to be used considering that's a right click action on uh, you know java or windows 10 if uh, if if shields were on windows 10 that'd be no problem but yeah you don't really have that functionality on a tap interface so it's going to be interesting to see how they're implemented but it seems like they are coming and whether that means the entire kind of combat system from java 1.9 and onwards is going to be arriving has yet to be seen but we know that shields are kind of on the way aside Hmm. from that um there was a little bit more news about the minecraft movie which we touched on i think in the very first episode of the show and had um What was the guy's name? Rob McElhenney, the guy from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, attached at the time. He has since left the project because of scheduling differences. And a fellow called Peter Solet or Peter Soleil. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his name, so apologies for that. But um, he is now attached to write and direct the Minecraft movie. Uh, there's a brief plot synopsis. It's about the ender dragon coming to the overworld and wreaking havoc and a small band of adventurers have to go and, you know, save the world. It seems like fairly standard fantasy stuff, still set within the world of Minecraft, but nothing incredibly groundbreaking, probably nothing quite as fantastical as stuff that happens in Minecraft story mode with kind of, you know, somebody's made a wither out of command blocks and that kind of stuff so right. yeah it might be a, fair, a more traditional kind of fantasy story um the, this director has previously done sort of small mid-range indie movie kind of things he's known for nick and nora's infinite playlist and a couple of other movies like that so check it out um link to a variety article will be in the show notes that will explain a little bit more about that it's relatively short but it just gives you a little bit of information about where the project is right now Who knows if we will ever actually see a Minecraft movie at this stage, and yeah, it remains to be seen what the the audience is for that. I always feel like video game movies are a little bit troubled, simply because the whole idea of video games is that they're interactive experiences to an extent, but with, with things like Netflix's Black Mirror episode that was kind of something that you could effectively I point and click adventure your that, way yeah. through like it's the, the boundaries are blurring a little bit so i'm a interested to see where this all goes in the long run you can now even play minecraft story mode on netflix by the way i don't know if you've seen that or if it's you i know, have I, okay. I had i
0: had it uh bookmarked over the holidays i didn't really get to it
1: but uh, yeah. it's short
0: like it's only like three minute episodes or something like that yes
1: and and it's it. is the kind of thing that you can just click through and make decisions during a cutscene. scene if, you, if you've got i think it's it's only available on like the netflix app so you have to have a controller to play it or something like that right so i could probably right. do it on my ps4 but it might not work on like an apple tv or something like that so Um, yeah do you do you
0: think that the minecraft movie will get a cinematic release or do you think it will be like a netflix
1: streaming release i would expect it to be a cinematic release but only just because of the size of you know microsoft being the distributor i feel like if the emoji movie can get a cinematic release then well yeah i feel like minecraft would but then minecraft is just such an online sort of you know an an internet phenomenon to me that i feel like netflix might be a better distribution model for it but i I i'm not somebody who has any knowledge of that industry at all so i'm not certain what the the thinking would be behind any of it i think
0: the hard part with a minecraft movie there's enough content to have a decent story and you can really just kind of use minecraft as a world building and then put whatever story you want in it but the aesthetic is so unique and so uniquely minecraft that if you wanted to make it appealing and appealing as a film uh, i don't know like for a good example would be um the angry birds movie which wasn't my favorite but it wasn't abysmal uh but it looked great yeah like it was was, the story not so good but but the, the it looked fine because those cartoon birds translate to cg cartoon birds just fine yeah uh whereas i don't want to go watch a cg movie of blocks (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's just it's not it's not when when you know what can be done in cg animation it's just it's really not there you know it's the the
1: kind of thing that people have made like animated music videos and little short things online of and and that's shareable youtube content and it's short form and that feels like the right environment for minecraft kind of 3d animation and you know yeah. a, a, and and it takes a little bit of artistic license with the world it makes you know mm-hmm. villagers a little bit more animated it makes you know certain things a little bit more squishy but yeah i i, I don't know how that's going to translate to the quote-unquote big screen still not 100 yeah. percent sure on that which may even be yeah. why it's taking them so long to nail down the right writer the right director somebody who's yeah. got the vision for it to keep it faithful to minecraft whilst also providing an experience that isn't just a machinima filmed in yeah. minecraft
0: well, I mean, and as an artist and and someone that worked for years in animation, like one of the things that is the most expressive thing in a character animation are the hands. Yeah. <laughs> in in Minecraft, Minecraft, they don't have any. They don't have any. So like it's it's a little... They also don't have noses, which yeah. you know, is also problematic. Like, unless there's, unless there's the, whole film's,
1: the whole film centers around a witch just so they can have expressive noses.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. So there, there, there's some things that I think are a little bit limiting. I am, I'm surprised that like to this point with all of the different kinds of cg television that's out there that there hasn't been like a cell shaded minecraft tv show
1: oh cell shading is an interesting point right like i'm thinking like
0: i mean obviously uh netflix is the dragon prince which has a new release date by the way Mm. um like that is is the extreme because that's that's really well done but like you could do that same sort of look with a blocky kind of design in minecraft and have it you could push some boundaries and have it still look very much like a simple Minecraft, uh, idea. Um, I, I, again, like I, I don't know enough about what's, what's happening to, to really voice it. But like, I, I, don't think that i'm also the target audience that sure yeah you know it's kids care less about this kind of thing and then also adults that are non-animators also care even less about this sort of thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) something i've I've come to accept is that i am an animation snob yes i'm aware of it i'm not (laughs) apologizing but it it takes a lot to impress me uh when it comes to to cg stuff and some people do it right and some people do it very very wrong but But speaking of people, we should probably talk about some of the people that have written into the show. Uh, We've got some chunk mail coming
1: in. Yes, uh, we have this one from Rick Lubkig-Spill. Hope I've said your name right. Uh, This is regarding episode 21 and the discussion of MC Pittman's realistic biome generation. Starts off saying, hey guys, love the podcast. Would it be possible to mention Open Terrain Generator, the Minecraft mod that MC Pittman uses to change the terrain? This world and Biome Bundle are presets or configurations for the Open Terrain Generator mod. The presets configure the terrain and Open Terrain Generator does the actual terrain generation. OTG started in 2010 as the Biome Terrain mod, and has had several developers and a number of community contributors over the years. Current developer PG85 picked up the mod in early 2016 and added the features that make this new world possible possible the cool thing is that anyone can make a preset for otg of course mc pitman is the grand master with biome bundle and this new amazing world that he showcased on Reddit that we mentioned last week thanks to the work of mc pitman we hope to see many more presets and preset creators in the future a big grats to mc pitman from team otg so, for a start, it's great to have some clarification on this from somebody on the inside. I get the idea that this person has written in as someone who's part of the Open Terrain Generator team, or at least the contributors to it. Um, and I knew Biome Bundle used OTG as a base, but I've always thought of it as kind of a mod in its own right, rather than a config file for OTG. So it's it's really good to have some yeah, like some some clarification on this.
0: Yeah, and uh, this was actually a comment on our Patreon post for episode 21. And mm-hmm. uh, I really appreciate uh, how quickly it came in. It was like almost immediately after after we posted. Uh, and it's worth noting that MC Pittman tags and links to OC- OTG in like the first comment on his Reddit thread. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just didn't mention it on the show last week. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, so he does credit it. But it's something that we just kind of didn't quite delve into. Uh, Last time around, and I don't remember whether we've talked at length about biome bundle and Open Terrain Generator before on the show. And if it's hard because now that we're getting into the twenties, it's like. What was pre-show? What was show proper? And what was just me talking with Johnny <laughs> yeah, and, about and, Minecraft? And,
1: and, and what did we cover on the Citadel Cafe the brief times oh, I came on there to right. talk about Minecraft? So uh, I think I think we were talking about my Minecraft Harmony series, which was ongoing at the time. And that was the one right. that used Biome Bundle. So we probably moved on a few steps from that and haven't that's really mentioned it on this, right. this show Yeah,
0: Because I, I feel like I've even used some Biome Bundle uh, screen captures and show art for both the Spawn Chunks and the Citadel Cafe last year yeah uh, and like that shows into the 300 so don't ask me what episode that was because i don't know <laughs> 200 and something uh, you can you can search for it easy enough but still uh, but yeah thank you very much for writing in uh, much much appreciated uh, the next email comes from orange pineapple hey joel and pixel riffs i found your show recently when asking a member of my smp if they knew of any good minecraft podcasts and I haven't turned back since. Well, big th- shout out to your friend on the SMP. Thanks for the recommendation. He poked uh, you in the arm.
1: He did it. Exactly. Follow he followed the instructions. Did it. Yeah, hey. he's an arm poker.
0: I love it. Well done. Uh, in, in Minecraft, the main things I do are landscaping and terraforming. The stuff Scar does, but not as well. Uh, the other day, I was making a deadland area made of dead coral, coarse dirt, podzol, and path block. It was fun, but the time making something with a lot of block variation takes a heck of a lot of time. I was also looking through some 1.12.2 mods and found one in, the, of, uh, in one of the mods, Quark, and I, that I came across, and it's called Trowel. Uh, when crafting, it would randomly place blocks in your hotbar, and now one of the things I, it's now one of the things I crave in Vanilla Minecraft. So it sounds like this mod automatically switches the block that you're placing without you having to actually switch it yourself. So yeah, it allows it, you to create kind of like a random pattern
1: exactly, without Exactly, it's a, it's a randomizer yeah
0: right okay uh so i thought i would ask you two if there was anything you remember from modded minecraft that you think would help the vanilla experience love the podcast it's great fun to listen when doing long projects keep up the great work well thanks for writing in uh orange pineapple fantastic name by the way
1: yeah and Uh, and first of all please send us a screenshot of this deadlands area because like that combination sounds like a lot of fun dead coral and coarse dirt and everything like send us a screenshot follow up on this i would really love to see that Absolutely.
0: You can send it to us in email or uh, tweet us at the spawn chunks uh, on Twitter and we'll, we'll, we'll share it with folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I I kind of look at this as a, as, as m- in modded is like a couple of ways. There's gameplay stuff, there's aesthetic stuff, and then there's kind of like a mix. So this is not likely, if not never going to happen. I would love an upgrade to the tools to mine faster, like the three by three hammer that you can get in sure. modded. Like I, that, that to me would just take a lot Of the grind out of the game and Mm -hmm. and make things a little bit easier for people that still like survival but don't have all the time in the world um from a gameplay and an aesthetic standpoint which i think wouldn't really be too difficult to implement but i think would add a lot of gameplay to the game would be more things to grow and farm so more slash better flowers sunflower fields, like flowers that don't randomly place on a block somewhere, like things that you can control a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, having different kinds of two tall flowers, uh, grape vines. I know we're getting berry bushes soon. That's cool. But yeah. Like that's one thing. You know, mm-hmm. what about more crops? What about corn, cotton, fruit, stuff that you could then use for cooking if you enjoy that kind of thing or just to have fields and fields of stuff with different colors would be really, really nice. Uh, and then from a purely aesthetic, immersive standpoint, for me, it's always about the, uh, immersion. And I would say, uh, bear, deer, moose, goat, actual chickens that look like chickens and roosters, as opposed to the weird duck-like chickens that we have now. Just, I feel like more animals in the game running around as you're running around would be better. They don't necessarily have to be something that I either want to kill or fight, but having a squirrel scurry by would be really immersive. Um, and since we mentioned it earlier, sounds to go along with that, you know, Mm -hmm. having, you know, a squirrel, Uh, chatter or uh you know a bear growl which does happen when you're near a polar bear but having that happen when you're walking through a forest would be really cool if it was like a brown bear or something like
1: that one of the other things we one of the other things we had on the um division smp server was a a mod that i think was called dynamic surroundings that had a bunch of like immersive kind of sound effects like that and anytime you placed a lily pad in the world if you got close to a lily pad you heard frog noises and I was nice. like, That that's genius because you can limit that by what blocks you place in the area and if you just add lily pads to something, it's natural that like frog noises start to appear. It kind of it, it makes sense and you know it is is really good for immersion now there were a few things like mosquito noises and bees and stuff that i was like let me turn that off just so i don't think there's something buzzing around my office while i'm trying to build something but yeah. it was uh, yeah it was it was an interesting kind of addition to to the ambience of the game and that's one of the things that i feel like people were hoping to be added in future and then the 1.13 update came along and added a lot of ambience without necessarily changing too much about the sounds of the game even having said that though you know stuff like beacons has only have only just had sound effects added to them and they've been in the game since you know a long time so yeah Mm -hmm. it is it is entirely possible that stuff like that might be coming in future and i i like the idea for sure if you
0: have a mod to recommend or a sound resource pack to recommend because that would of course be accessible to everybody uh I would love to hear it because the ones that I have found seem to be either too much or nothing, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, it, it they change everything about the game. Like I don't, I don't want everything. Like I'm fine with just a couple of extra bird chirps. I don't necessarily want to change the way that my footsteps sound because yes. I find that it's, it's, there's a certain amount of silence that's needed before you just stop noticing everything. And I think that there's a there's an unfortunate lack of balance happening uh, with some of the sound packs. So if you know of one that that's subtle or one that's easy to pick apart, then then let us know. Yeah. Uh, what would you want in um in, in a like a
1: what would you want to bring from modded into vanilla? See, from time to time, I really wish there was something like builders ones in vanilla, just because of how long it takes to place a wall and build up like a if you're building like a dam or something like that, it takes you a day. you know it's it's not so much like uh you know it, it it's it's a long task and it's rewarding at the end of the day but i would just like to i guess build something like that and then do all of the detailing as the the grindy work it'd be nice to have a quick way of erecting like a giant wall or something like that and i i don't know how it could be balanced in vanilla because there's obvious kind of potential for it to be exploited uh but it's just such a useful tool for creating walls, building custom terrain. I use it all the time whenever I do a Sky Factory series. I used it a lot on The Division and some other modded stuff that I've been a part of. It just, it makes a lot of sense being able to look at a wall and go, yep, I want that one block higher and it's done in the blink of an eye, as long as you've got the resources to do it. Right, Uh, like it's still, if it's a six wide block wall, then it still takes six
0: of your cobblestone to, to bump it up.
1: Yeah, and and I've seen people working on data packs or mods that allow you to build more easily and they have like rotational mirroring and stuff. I'll have to bring that to a future show because that deserves a showcase all by itself. But there is somebody who's working on a, like an easier building mod that really helps with stuff like that. Has kind of like, yeah, radial designs where if you place something in one corner, then it builds the other three corners for you. And you can do these fantastic symmetrical designs with it. It's not necessarily a way to produce the best builds in the world if you want to kind of detail things and make stuff a little bit more eccentric but for symmetrical stuff it's brilliant um so so yeah again difficult to balance if it was in the vanilla game by default but yeah worth looking into if you're somebody who's building either in a single player world or in a cooperative environment where it's not going to be abused
0: yeah sort of reminds me of of, i think it was pixar that sort of built that way and that once you constructed a certain type of wall it became very easy to kind of like repeat that
1: yeah, you can just kind of look at the wall and build stuff on top of it if you're facing in the right direction and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. 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 There, there are, there are other building systems that exist that are out there, but yeah, it's not something Minecraft has done by default. And yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like part of the challenge of the game is in that stuff, but also it's one of those things that becomes an obstacle the further in you get, the more stuff yeah. you just want to like, I just want to knock out a build in an afternoon and it's just impossible for me to do that if the build is like 95% of it is just building... 80 block high walls. Just can't oh, do it. Yeah. 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 It's, and that's the kind of
0: thing, like, even just um, that I, I, you know, going back to our interview with Fixit about how they handle uh, custom trees and how he's built the lore of the Arbor Druids and, you know, how you can build, you have to build the custom tree once, but then you can use the magic of the Arbor Druids, i.e., the command, that one of the, um, what's not the copy block? What's it called? Command block? Uh, uh, the structure, structure blocks. Block. Yeah. So you use the structure block to then copy and paste it in the world brilliant right like it saves them a ton of time but you can still do creative stuff and i think be having an easier way to copy and paste things even if it was only in creative would i think still be a better way to go um we were going to spend the, the, the show topic uh, today talking about fire, but we're running a little bit shy on time. So instead, I think we're going to focus on the campfire specifically, uh, especially because we had an email from Harry uh, asking us specifically what our thoughts were about the new campfire uh, and some of the smoke uh, particle textures and stuff like that. So I, I feel like I've been chatting a lot this this episode, So so... Johnny, what are your thoughts on the new campfire for 1.14? First, 1. first of
1: all, I, I blame the snapshot for taking us over time here because we always get really <laughs> deep into the snapshot stuff when we don't expect to. So um, yeah, I, I like the campfire as a thing. Like I, It was one of the things that made the tiger biome a compelling choice for me when we did the whole biome vote at MineCon, even though I was on team savannah i was kind of happy to hear that tigers would be the first thing that was was updated and yeah like like you said the first iteration it was just a slab with fire coming out of it it didn't really look all that inspiring and while you can make an argument for it being more sort of i guess uh like natural to Minecraft in a way that it was like a slab kind of shape and it wasn't a little bit more of a detailed model. We have so many other detailed models in Minecraft right now that I feel like that excuse is wearing a little thin. So I was very happy to see Japper's redesign of it. I think it makes a lot more sense. It looks nicer and it's good to see stuff like this being introduced. And, and the, the smoke particles and the texture and stuff like that are are looking good. I feel like we're we're coming to like a a really good design quite quickly instead of having to iterate on things too much presuming they don't you know do seven or eight additional drafts of the campfire after this point right. and i think i think it's good i think the ability to have a like a light source a, a source of fire in a home that isn't going to burn the house down is neither here nor there for me because i tend to play in worlds where fire spread is turned off anyway uh, mainly for for a couple of reasons mainly because I don't like having my houses burned down because of stuff like lightning or fireplaces or nearby lava lakes even um, and I like the ability to light a, an ever burning fire basically anywhere so I don't know if I would necessarily use it for the the kind of the fire side of things unless I really wanted to have a um, like a, a low fire burning somewhere and the light level if it stays the same would be kind of like a nice ambience to an already mm-hmm. well-lit area inside a house i love the particles though i think the particles are going to finally replace the stupid like let's use cobwebs as smoke thing that everybody does yep. which like i i get that cobwebs are probably one of the nicest looking things except for maybe i don't know you could probably do stuff with glass but then glass has you know two possible shapes you know it, it doesn't yeah. doesn't necessarily look like smoke if you're using it in small quantities but the particle thing is brilliant and it's going to be so nice having chimneys that actually look like they are merrily smoking away. I agree.
0: I think the only thing missing is any kind of wind
1: that it just kind of goes straight up. Yeah, yeah. It's not kind uh, of something you can divert at all.
0: Oh, and it's, well, and they, and they could sort of fake it with the the smoke particles not necessarily all happening directly above the block. Like you could have... If if the if you left it going long enough, instead of a straight line, if it made a subtle S,
1: yeah, you know, it like kind just of curved a little bit, upwards a
0: little bit. Yeah, I mean the wind doesn't switch back and forth that quickly, but you know, like it would be it would be just enough that it was sort of like, well, it's getting caught by different air currents. Maybe there's not a breeze going, but it's just it's hitting different pockets of air and going in different ways. Uh, yeah, I think there's probably splitting a difference be- between how far away you can see these smoke particles, specifically when you put a hay block underneath the campfire, yes. which I thought was a neat idea. Yeah, yeah. The, the smoke particles go like 25 blocks in the air.
1: Yeah, it's, from it's the, not... From the campfire. It's not quite as overkill as a beacon that goes to build height, but is certainly a right. way of catching people's attention. Like, that'll get above the roof of a forest if you put a hay block underneath it, whereas if you don't, then it probably only goes like four or five blocks up before the particles disappear.
0: Exactly. Uh, and because of how far away, which I think was like 100 or 200 blocks in one of the videos that I saw... Um, they can't have the particles be too detailed or too fancy because then that would lag your world, I would imagine, if you had yeah. several of these things going. Uh, so the one thing that I find really interesting, because, I mean, hey, it was it's how smoke would work in the real world, is that if you put a block above it, the smoke particles then hit that block, and then they build up until the point where they kind of like filter out the edges and eventually start to rise up again similar to how xp does when it gets blocked on its way to the player it kind of like rides the line until it finds the path to get to you yeah Uh, which i find is cool but unfortunately means that if you want a chimney in your build then it's going to have to be like a true chimney and it's going to have to have a hole down the middle of it I don't yet know if that hole has to be one block wide, but if you built your chimney on your house and it's essentially just non-hollow, it's just like one or two blocks, you can't put a fire in it that's going to work and smoke because that smoke is not going to have a way to get out of your house. I think uh, so... you
1: can you can put like a cross section block like a glass pane or an iron bar over the top of it and it will still get the particles will still get through that, I believe.
0: Right, but the but they, but if there's a block above that, then they yeah. still have to get out. Like you still have to, if you want to encase your chimney and not have it be visible, then you still have to have, you still have to have the, um, of like a block wide gap. So yeah. essentially, your chimney has got to be like you know two by three or three by three with a with a fireplace in the middle of it or a campfire in the middle of it to get mm-hmm. the smoke to go all the way up the way that you're thinking. Which I again. Not bad. I'm just saying it's a different way to think about chimneys yeah, if sure. you want them to function. I suspect there will be a lot of uh, double fire chimneys. I'm pulling this from something yeah. I think you mentioned to me in Discord where there, there will be a fire at the bottom, whether that's a real fire in Minecraft or a fire, a campfire in Minecraft. In the hearth, and then somewhere's up hidden in the chimney will be a
1: campfire that's going to be emitting the smoke, yeah, uh, yeah, and, I, and causing
0: something like that i th-
1: I think people have already done stuff like that in the past as well, like with fires right. being lit at the top of a chimney and just allowing those particles to drift up,
0: right, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, i I like the aesthetic change. I'm surprised it wasn't like an X, uh like I knew it was going to be a block, you like you knew it was going to be a, a block that you'd have to move around, but I'm kind of surprised that the logs were not made kind of like in a campfire x yeah you kind know, of cross-shaped sort of yeah. diagonals you know uh with a fire in the middle of it uh it's it's a stacked kind of like Yule log sort of look uh, which again it's it's neither good nor bad it's just a different aesthetic uh i i've seen some people comment i was looking at japa's thread and, and some of it is um people thought that the logs look stripped uh i would agree it doesn't really break it for me but um having some darker bark on the logs i think would maybe add to the idea of there maybe being some coals or something in there um also i don't believe that japa shared what it looked like when it was out uh and and the other the original texture that came with the snapshot when it was out there was like this charred little black part in the middle that looked like like coals mm-hmm. so i don't know whether it's going to have a different texture when it's out or or whatever um but uh, yeah i mean i i think it's an excellent idea an excellent ad i i'm disappointed that it doesn't do anything more than just give off a light level of nine uh in terms of that like the light level and how that affects mobs like i kind of wish it had something else like a low light level but a high mob repellent yeah you know do, or something do like you that. think
1: you'll end up using it to cook food? Uh no yeah because... I I don't I don't think so either but I, I like the fact that it can be done it's good for like role play and maybe mm-hmm. at a pinch if you've got one in your inventory and you didn't have a furnace or something like that then sure but like if you put food in a furnace it gives off a light level of 15 so I almost feel like adding yeah. a furnace and then just like I don't know popping a campfire on top of a furnace and pretending that you're cooking all the food on top of the campfire makes more sense because you're getting more light you're probably cooking the food faster I don't know it, it, it'll cook four pieces of food at once and I don't know if it's going to be like possible to automate that in any way like if campfires will interact with hoppers I doubt they would because that doesn't feel very intuitive but then no. it doesn't have to be intuitive in order to go into the game it's a video game so no, exactly yeah I'd, I'd but- be interested to see how that ends up working and how many people actually use it for cooking outside of the purposes of just like rp on a server
0: yeah, the closest thing I've seen to automation was something that El, Mang- El Mango did with he when he did like a, a contraption underneath it, which lit and-, and extinguished the fire automatically. Using a flint uh, and steel, yeah, yeah flint and steel and a bucket of water and dispensers but i mean like this was like a six by eight redstone contraption underneath <laughs> like it yeah. was it was not easy and and not like the average redstone person is not going to be able to do this sure yeah. so i was like eh, i i'm i would rather just walk up to it with a bucket of water and put it out <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um but yeah I, I again i i like it i think it's pretty cool i i'm curious to see what changes it might go through between now and release but on the surface it's 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 neat i think it will will add really cool things to like uh not tiki torches but like if you're building like a a medieval build and you want like light towers you know things that are like a three by three stone tower with a a a a fire a pyre yeah, on the top like a, of it a little
1: and, a little beacon you've got sconces and that kind of yeah, stuff yeah having for, yeah having that
0: kind of stuff would be it would be kind of cool to, to do I, that you know it makes like me it, incredibly
1: it, happy for the uh, the minecraft middle earth folks because they can light the beacons of gondor <laughs> and it will actually be like a smoke signal that you can see from signal. several you know 100 blocks yeah. away yeah yeah
0: yeah i i didn't watch it but i saw like a youtube clip of somebody that had created several campfires being controlled with redstone not being turned on and off, but having blocks block and then unblock the particles, and so they were writing in the air with smoke.
1: Oh, nice! Yeah, right.
0: So, you, so it's almost like a like a player piano, you know? Like it's got, it's it's got <laughs> yes. this constant stream of smoke, and you're just kind of like blocking certain things at certain times, and, and you're it's making like happy and it's, faces. And it's writing. And... It's
1: writing "Hello, World" or something. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah it's pretty good. Um, yeah, that, that's. Uh, I I'm curious to see how they're going to roll forward from here.
1: And folks at home, if you would like to share your thoughts on campfires or anything we've discussed in today's episode, you can find the show notes and links to some of the stuff we've talked about on thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. Uh, If you get value out of the show, consider putting some value back in by supporting us on Patreon. You can visit patreon.com slash chunks to join our community, where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat, and get us closely to our quarterly patreon hangout goal uh we're currently at 46 patrons which is up from last week thank you so much for your support as always but if you don't have the money to support the show then there are plenty of other ways you can do that Sharing the podcast with your friends
0: is the easiest way to support the show. You can follow us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but personal recommendations, as we've seen today, go a long way. So share the podcast with your friends and server mates in other places and just let them know that it's a cool thing to, uh, to listen to when they're playing Minecraft. And hey, poke a friend in the arm and recommend the show. You can email the show at thespawnchunks at gmail.com. And I have a question for everybody this week. When we have snapshot releases and it does dominate the show, is that cool? Do you want to hear all about the snapshot or do you want us to glaze over things quickly and get into a different show topic? Let us know what you think at thespawnchunks at gmail.com. You can find the Spunchunks Chunks on your favorite podcast app. That includes iTunes, Android, Stitcher, and Spotify. The RSS feed is linked on thespunchunks.com, and the patron-only RSS feed is linked on the Patreon page. And that is the only
1: place where you can listen to the render distance. My name is Pixel Riffs and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap where you, which you can find through a quick YouTube search and I stream three days a week on Twitch where I play a variety of other games. Aside from that I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel where can people find you online? Everything
0: I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is available at joelduggan.com. If you're interested in hiring me, then just drop me a line. I am available right now, so let me know. If you like this show, you may also like Comics Coast to Coast, where I interview comic creators, illustrators, and animators, as well as the Citadel Cafe, where I talk about sci-fi and geeky entertainment. Speaking of cartoons, earlier in the show, we reviewed Three Below uh, last week with my friend Stephen Sharkey-Schwinard. He's a member of the Citadel uh, server, and we had a blast talking about Three Below. It's a new animated series from DreamWorks. Super, super fun. Uh, right now, I'm going to point you towards Twitch. It is my name, Joel Duggan, on Twitch. I do Minecraft streams. I do art streams. hoping to do more of those. So go follow me there. And if you are an artist specifically, let me know
1: the kinds of things that you'd like me to do on stream. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. We're going to need a map simplifier.